We've been taking the names, the Christmas names of God in the book of Revelation, and there's one more. And it's the last one, and we'll take it on Christmas Day. It is Revelation 22. It is at the end of the identification of the Lord Jesus of Himself. In verse 16, when He says, I, Jesus, Revelation 2.16, the very last chapter in the whole Bible, the last Christmas name of God in the book of Revelation. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, but he doesn't stop there. I am the bright and morning star. Not a wonderful Christmas name of God. The bright and morning star. He's already said, I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega last forever. He has already said, I am the root and the offspring of David. I came out of the line of David. But now he says something else. I am the bright and morning star. Walking every morning as I try to do to maintain the strength of my heart, I often see the sunrise and on a cloudless day, I often get to see the bright and morning star. It is dependent on the time of year as to how easily it is seen and where it is placed in the morning sky. But off over here, as the sun peeps its orange head above a line, over here there is a bright and morning star still shining. Occasionally you can see Venus the second planet from the sun shines in the daytime, depending on how it is situated. But the bright and morning star indicates several things for us, and there's no question that Jesus wanted us to know those. First, hold your hand here and go back to Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 24. And isn't it strange, but out of the mouth of this erring prophet, the utterance of Balaam, comes this great prophecy, the first prophecy about Christ as a star. In Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, he, Balaam, the son of Beor, said of Christ, I think, under the movement of God, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. And the promise was early that a star would rise up out of Jacob. And here is Jesus at the end of the prophetic apocalyptic book in which he explains the future saying, I am the bright and morning star. I'm the one that Balaam prophesied about. And I think it means four things. The bright and morning star. If you ever see it early in the morning, know that it means four things. First, it means that the night is over. When Christ was born into this world, the day of oppression was over. It, it didn't end right then, but the promise of it. Sins, reign, and bondage in the hearts of men was done. The day the star shone over Bethlehem, and the star was born in Bethlehem. Night is over. That's what the bright morning star means. Sin is done. And for all of us who trust the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We celebrate that. We have guaranteed a victory over sin and night and depression and discouragement and heartache and heartbreak. It means something else, though. The bright morning star means that the day has come. The sun is about to rise. There is new light coming. Daytime has come. And all that that means, as faithful as the rising and setting sun, reminds us of the faithfulness of God. So the bright morning star reminds us that when Jesus was born at Bethlehem, he ushered in a brand new day. We sing about it. Oh, it wasn't all accomplished, his first coming. Some of it will be finished when he comes the second time. But make no mistake about it. Jesus, the bright morning star, means that a day has dawned. There's a third thing. The star always means direction and guidance. Just as it meant that for the wise men, it has been a symbol of navigational reference for all man's history. Men knew what direction they were going by the stars. And a star always means that. There is direction. And Christ, the bright and morning star, is telling us that God is moving in just the direction that he wants to go. And this world is under his control. John and VJ and Shirley had a yard sale. And John had a mechanical car, one of those, I love those things. I'm always fascinated by those radio-controlled cars. You stand over here, put it over there, press a button, and it moves in the direction you want it to go. And, you know, we found something. He had offered it at the yard sale for a dollar. And my wife, who's a Reinhardt, she rescued that thing from the yard sale for less than a buck. Don't tell John I said that. But she saved that radio-controlled car. She thought when the grandchildren come, they'll love it. You know what we found? The most fascinated were Allman and Harrison by that thing. They could move that stick and move that car. The older kids, they passed on to something else. Sega Genesis or whatever, you know, all of those fancy things. But the little boys, they love those cars. We're way over here. You stay with a little box and a little stick, and you can, and they're fascinated by that. You move that stick, and over there, the car moves. The other day, the stick was gone, nobody was there, and suddenly the car started moving. <laughs> it was a little eerie. Somebody had opened the garage door with a garage opener, I guess, and it had ticked off that car, and it moved. Such is a way with those electronic signals and cars. I almost brought it to show you. I, I had to take the battery out of it to stop it. I didn't know where the signal was coming from. Aren't you glad that all history navigates by the star of the Lord Jesus and it's under God's control and it never goes off half-cocked and it never starts without the controlling, guiding hand of the Father holding the world? So if the bright morning star means night is ended, sin is done, day has come, direction for all of us who seek him, it means a fourth thing. It means that new hopes, new opportunities, new dreams have arrived. A new spirit, the bright morning star, Christ's coming tells us, I have finally got a chance 
With sin ruling in the world, we don't have a chance, but with sin conquered and the bright morning star coming, it means there are all kinds of new hopes and new dreams for the day that is ahead. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus has already mentioned this to the church at Thyatira. Look at chapter 2 and notice what he says in verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. When he comes back, he will. As a potter's vessel shall be broken to pieces, as I also received from my Father. Now this is Jesus speaking, identifying himself to the church. And he says to the overcomer, I will give him, what's the word? The morning star. An overcomer who understands the spirit and the power that Jesus made available to us will be given the morning star. That represents the hopes and dreams, the opportunities to get victory over sin and be an overcomer. There is a spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas comes once a year. You'll see shopkeepers get it. Sometimes even your family members that haven't called you for nine and a half months will get it and give you a call, right? Sometimes friends who owed you something a long time, suddenly they show up at Christmas. That's the spirit of Christmas. It's the spirit of goodwill. It's the spirit of joy. It's the spirit of giving. It's the spirit of happiness. But oh, how quickly the spirit of Christmas fades. Steve and his family packed up yesterday. When you have a pastor in your family, they always have to get back for Sunday. Always get back for Sunday. So he drove back to Charleston, and I called to make sure he got home all right. Isn't that funny? He's 34 years old. He's pastor of a church. I'm the daddy, and I still call to see if he got home all right. If you haven't found out yet, once a daddy, always a daddy. Right, Milton? Once a daddy, always a daddy. And when I called him to see if he got home, oh, yes, he said, we made it fine. Made it and got home by 2 o'clock. And he said, I stopped by the Harvest Bakery where I buy this natural bread. He said, we've established the custom here of giving a loaf of bread to every one of our neighbors, a fresh baked loaf of bread with no preservatives, all wait, waiting to be heated and with melted butter lushed all over it and then smeared with precious fresh blackberry jam and a cup of tea. Boy, doesn't that sound good? And he said, I stopped at my bakery store and the man was about to close. And he came to the door and said, what do you want? He said, I need some bread for gifts. And the man said, aren't you the preacher down at the Citadel Square Baptist Church? Steve said, yeah. He opened the door and said, come on in. He said, now what would you like? And he, Steve said, I need, like I believe it was five loaves of bread from the neighbors. And so he gave him the five loaves of bread. Steve said, how much do you? He said, not a penny. Oh, he said, by the way, have you got room for some more? He said, I'm closing. I've decided to quit for the day. And he opened up Steve's trunk, and amidst the bags and the gifts that were all sent home, he gave him 40 loaves of fresh harvest bread. <laughs> said, you're going to have church tomorrow? I said, yeah. I said, I don't need them. I don't want them to spoil. He said... 
Give them to your members to give to the shut-ins and the homeless and anybody they want. Even give them to their enemies if they want to. Because they'll not do anybody any good sitting in this store over the Christmas holiday. Isn't that great? That's the spirit of Christmas. The problem is that doesn't last very long. Doesn't happen very often. On the other side, it's not long before, and sometimes even during Christmas, people get so busy, they lose their religion and their Christmas, don't they? You're in bad shape when you lose your Christmas. Week before last, Hilda Cook, one of our members who's an interior decorator. I don't know, is Hilda here? Is she here this morning? There she is. She's here. She had gone to New York to work for the day. And coming back, the plane had been delayed in Boston by bad weather. And everybody was upset because the plane was two and a half hours late. And she had to call Gene, and it wasn't going to make it into Greensboro. He was going to have to drive to Charlotte to pick her up. And so she's on the airplane, U.S. Air, and they're ready to take off. And the flight attendant comes to the man behind her, man dressed in a suit and a white shirt and a tie. And he tears into the flight attendant. This is the worst airline in the world. You're always late. You're messing up my whole Christmas. What are you doing this? I'm sick and tired of waiting two and a half hours for this plane. This is awful. I'm never flying U.S. Air. <laughs> Hilda said she decided she'd had enough. Now, you've got to understand, she comes from Germany, and she has a German accent. And we Americans, people can get away with things who have an accent when we can't get away, we can't get away with them ourselves. She stood up in that plane, turned around and looked at that man and said, Sir, would you rather have a one-way ticket to heaven or a round-trip ticket to Greensboro where you can be with your family for Christmas? <laughs> I looked at her. <laughs> I've had a hard day. I've had a hard day too. I've worked. My husband have to drive all the way to Charlotte to get me. And you're sitting there complaining. You should be thankful we got a flight. It will make it. You would you rather fly in the bad weather and flop or crash or whatever? And when she said that to him, she shut him up and the whole plane applauded. <laughs> now that man might be in this service today. <laughs> And if you are, you need to meet that blonde woman sitting right there behind Bill Gerald. And when she got, the, the flight attendant came by and said, thank you for putting him in his place. And when she got off the plane, everybody was waiting and they applauded again. And she sent a letter thanking U.S. Air for the flight attendant and the wonderful way she handled it. How quickly we can forget what Christmas is all about. Now, there's a distinct difference between the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Christ. If the bright and morning star has come with new hopes and new opportunities and new chances at life, then how can we make that spirit of Christmas last all year long? What can we do? The spirit of Christmas is annual. The spirit of Christ is eternal. The spirit of Christmas is sentimental. The spirit of Christ is supernatural. The spirit of Christmas is culturally set. 
but the Spirit of Christ is spiritually sent. The Spirit of Christmas comes from man, but the Spirit of Christ comes from God. What can we do to take advantage of the bright and morning star, the new hopes and opportunities, 365 days? All right? And with that, we'll, we'll complete our Christmas message. Turn back with me to Luke chapter 1 and read with me now. And I think here are the clues as the angel spoke to Mary, beginning in verse 26 of chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I want to point out three things in Mary's experience with the angel that will help us to maintain the spirit of Christ all year and not just the spirit of Christmas. How can we keep the spirit of Christ and not just the spirit of Christmas? First, notice that the angel said that this Son of God would be supernaturally born in her. Verse 35, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that Holy One who is to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Holy Spirit can overshadow Mary, the Holy Spirit can overshadow us. If that child was supernaturally born in her, then Christ is supernaturally formed in us. And the way we maintain a spirit of Christ rather than just the spirit of Christmas is literally for us to recognize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is as supernaturally born in every one of us so that we can be overcomers. The bright and morning star has come so that we, and is ours as overcomers, Jesus promised. Turn to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. It's a simple truth, but don't drop that truth. There is hope. You can overcome your sin. I can overcome my sin. You remember what Paul said to the Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 18? 
it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. The Christmas story is a truth, but it is a truth that teaches something no man could have ever understood as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Jesus, the Son of God, was born in her a virgin. The Holy Spirit overshadows us when we, we receive him and Christ is formed in us. And we have the power, literally, the power to be overcomers. That's what the bright and morning star means. It means that we have a new opportunity with Christ in us we can overcome our temper. We can overcome our greed. We can overcome our materialism. There is hope. You don't have to settle passively into defeat. That's what the bright and morning star means to us. And that explains why Jesus said in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in me. To me, that is a fantastic, incredible Christmas truth. I, as an ordinary person, can have the eternal God formed and living in me as the Holy Spirit overshadows me when I'm born again and makes Christ to be born in me. And the bright and morning star means I don't have to be a slave to my sin when I have Christ living within me. Secondly, notice what the angel said to Mary. She said, uh, he said to Mary that this king, in verse 33, this king will have a kingdom for which there shall be no end. Christ's power as the bright and morning star giving us new hope, Christ's power never ends. It is not temporary. It is not like a gift certificate that expires. The kingdom of God is right now in our lives. He will come and set up his kingdom and rule on this earth for a thousand years. But now there is a sense in which my mind is his kingdom and my hands are his kingdom and my heart is his kingdom. Even when I'm flying on a U.S. airplane and it's two and a half hours late, mine is his kingdom. My heart, my mind, Timothy's fingers and that instrument, that is his kingdom. Your money, this billfold, this is his kingdom. My voice is his kingdom. This building is his kingdom. Your talent, Cynthia, that's his kingdom. And he says of his kingdom there will be no end. Once Christ is formed in you, the bright and morning star, the new hopes and dreams come because you're under new orders. Do you know why the spirit of Christmas takes over the spirit of Christ? Because there's resistance within us, strong resistance. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Notice what that resistance is. That resistance, when you're tired and weary and you've baked too many cookies and you've cooked too much turkey or eaten too much cookie, turkey. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. How do I know the spirit of Christmas? Well, here it is. Adultery, verse 19. Fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath on Christmas Eve, 
Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, social drinking parties, revelries, and the like. These are the evidences that the flesh is resisting the kingdom of God within you. And that's why the spirit of Christmas rules us rather than the spirit of Christ. Because after Christ is formed in you, you have the resistance of the flesh. You say, I can't overcome sin. I've just given up to it. I can't overcome my greed. Of course not. You can't do it in your own strength. But Christ in you can. With God, the angel said to Mary, how many things are possible? All things. All things are possible. I heard one time a message of Stuart Briscoe, and he gave an illustration of a cuckoo bird in England. I didn't know this about the cuckoo bird. Any of you have a cuckoo clock at home? How many of you have cuckoo clocks at home? Cuckoo. Cuckoo. You know there is a cuckoo bird, children. Did you know that? There is, really is a cuckoo bird. Now, let me tell you about the cuckoo bird. At the first sign of spring, the cuckoo mother starts looking for a nest to lay her eggs. Cuckoos never build their own nests. They always lay their eggs in another bird's nest. Did you know that? It's amazing what you can learn at Calvary Baptist Church on Christmas Day. <laughs> and the cuckoo bird flies around and let's say sees a thrush's nest, little thrush, and says, oh, this is a good place to lay my egg. And so she drops down into the thrush's nest when the parent bird is gone and lays the egg. And the poor little thrush goes off and watches and sits on her nest with four little thrush eggs and that great big cuckoo egg. Now, I'm sure the first time the mama comes back and looks at that and says, mm, did I lay that egg? Well, that's a big one. I didn't realize I laid that one. Where'd that one come from? But the thrush is not real good at mathematics. And so she goes on sitting on the nest until they start hatching. And when they start hatching and the mother thrush goes off and finds the worms, guess which of the little birdlets is larger than the others? The cuckoo. And so the thrush, being indiscriminating, non-discriminating, comes back and that little thrush sticks its little neck up there and the thrush gets all the worms. I mean, the uh, cuckoo, little, little cuckoo gets all the worms. And this is a case where the big get bigger and the little get littler. And the cuckoo gets all the thrush's worms and the little cuckoo birdlets die until that little cuckoo bird gets bigger than the adult thrush. And here's that adult thrush running around getting uh, worms for that little cuckoo bird. Cuckoos don't parent. They're only good at laying eggs. They don't, they're not good at parenting. In fact, we've got a lot of cuckoos around this world, haven't we? But anyway, uh, they, they can produce children, but they don't do much of parenting. And so the poor adult thrush is off getting worms to feed that cuckoo. And pretty soon, the cuckoo bird kicks the little dead thrushes who have starved to death out of the nest. And whenever you see little dead thrushes, look around. It probably was a cuckoo bird in that nest. Now, the truth is in the Christian life, we have two natures in the nest. You have the nature of God and you have the nature 
of the flesh. And Paul is very clear, if we feed the nature of God, that nature of God grows, takes control of our life, gives us the spirit of Christ all year long. But if you feed the flesh, they that sow to the flesh, Paul said, shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption. Death. And there are two natures in the nest, the cuckoo and the thrush. Christ is formed in me and flesh. When I let Christ control me, let my heart and life and mind be his kingdom, I manifest the spirit of Christ. And when I let my flesh control me, I manifest the spirit of Christmas. It's only temporary. And the last thing is that the key, the key to the bright and morning star in your life is what Mary said in verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's it. The key to the spirit of Christ is to say every day when you rise, according to your word, Lord, so be it unto me. I'm your maidservant. The Christmas truth of the bright morning star is valid for us only when we take Mary's attitude. Every day, every moment, whatever your word requires, let it be to me. Whatever your will is, let it be for me. According to your words, so be it unto me. I am your hen servant, Lord. I am your maid servant. I am your men servant. Whatever you say, let it be in my life. And saying that over and over and over again is the only way that we're changed from the glory of the Spirit of Christmas to the exceedingly greater glory of the Spirit of Christ. From the control of the flesh, which is just temporarily giving over to the Spirit, to the Spirit of God being dominant in our lives. You say, I've got a weakness and I've wanted victory, but I just can't claim it. Practice the Christmas truth of the bright morning star. To the overcomer, I will give a bright morning star. Hope that there is victory through Christ. Oh, how we need the spirit of Christ and the fruit which he gives rather than the spirit of Christmas. Mary is a marvelous example for us. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And when that happens in my life, my attitude towards my wife, your attitude towards your husband, your attitude towards the children, towards the grandchildren, towards everybody around you, will be the Spirit of Christ 365 days a year. And not just a seasonal thing. There is victory. With God, all things are possible. According to your word, Lord, so let it be to me. And I rise on this glad Christmas morning to celebrate with you the bright morning star who symbolizes night is done, sin is over. Day has come. Direction and guidance is available for us. And the beginning of all of our hopes and dreams and opportunities for victory over sin is ours through him who was born at Bethlehem. And we leave this place encouraged. I don't care what the rest of the world does. I want Mary's song to be my song. I want Mary's surrender to be my surrender. 
according to your word, Lord, so be it to me. If you've never repented of your sin, if you've never made a public profession of faith in Jesus, there is victory for you. And we're going to give you an opportunity to come and be saved on Christmas morning. We'd like to give you an opportunity to join this church family and be a part of us for the coming year. Let's stand in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the hope and the joy and the victory that is ours in Christ. Speak to each of us. Speak to someone who's been backslidden and away from you, who's been manifesting a temporary spirit of Christmas, but no lasting joy and victory and peace. Speak to those, dear Father, in conviction who have lost hope that they can have victory over sin and draw them to yourself. And on this Christmas morning, may Jesus Christ have his eternal kingdom ruling in every one of our hearts before we leave this place. We pray in his name. Amen.